Hello and welcome to Conversations on Karate. I'm Sue. I'm Greg. And, and I'm Mike. And you're Mike. And, and you're Mike. <laughs> We're joined by Mike Stone, um, who's had the most interesting life in martial arts and movies in, in America and in the Philippines. Hello, Mike. Welcome. Thank you very much. Great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to share some ideas. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. We'd we'd love to get started, like we so often do, Mike, um, by asking about how you got started in karate. How did that happen? Because I think you were, I think we were just talking before, you, you were about 19 and in the army. How did it come about? It's an interesting story, isn't it? Uh, yes, I, I, I think it is. What happened was actually... Um, uh, where I was born and how I grew up in uh, in Hawaii. Um, all of my life, I've been associated and been with classmates that were uh, Japanese ancestry, and uh, so I gravitated toward the Japanese culture, the tradition, the language, the food. Uh, for me, every part of Japanese culture and society, even when it was at how in Hawaii, and people were second-generation Japanese that were living there, um, I really found myself very drawn to that particular philosophy of living, the way they lived, they talked. I, I really enjoyed that. Even though I lived in a very Hawaiian-orientated background. So um, when I was a junior in high school, I, I had gone to a boarding school uh, for four years. And my junior summer, I had an opportunity to work at the boarding school during the three months before my senior year. And um, there was a uh, photographer that was our high school photographer that took pictures of, of most of our athletic events. And at that time, my senior year, I was the captain of the American football team and the basketball team. And I ran the 400 meters in track and field. And during that summer vacation that I stayed back to work at the school, uh, the photographer, I was a good friend of his because he took quite a lot of photographs of me when I was playing and competing. And he invited me to an Aikido class that was being instructed by a gentleman by the name of Koichi Toihei, who is the number one senior instructor of the founder of Aikido, Professor Ueshiba. So my first two weeks in Aikido was taking classes from the very best student of the art of Aikido. Wow. And what I liked most about it was a philosophy I started to absorb into my, my subconscious mind. I guess subconscious meaning I'm not really thinking about it. But through the associations and the philosophy and the beliefs, and being around that type of environment, I started to um, think about honor, respect, integrity, some of these things that I really saw being expressed, but what I now really believe is a grandmaster. Not many of the titles that we see today. I really don't have a fond appreciation for many of the people that have given themselves the title or have somehow I don't know how they got it, but my initial introduction to the martial arts 
was somewhat at this level of proficiency and integrity. So it was, this is what I expected when I started karate a year or two later. I expected this to be the norm. I expected this to be what I have come to enjoy and love and embrace was what I thought I would be learning. I was very disappointed. So anyway, from that period, from junior in high school, I did that. I did sports in high school, became very well known, became an all-star in football, uh, was selected to a decade all-star team. That means for a 10-year period from 1951 to 61, I was selected as the best state, uh, the best end, the position of a receiver uh, in those 10-year periods, and yet I only performed one year. So this confused me that I was being recognized and being given accolades for nine years of something I never did. I only did it in my senior year. Mm. But when they selected this 10-year All-Star team, I was selected as one of the best ends in that 10-year period, which was kind of like, well, wait a minute. I was thinking like, how long does it take to be your best? Mm. Because I apparently did my best in one year and selected with people, hundreds of people over the 10-year period. So this became part of a mindset that I created quite early. In fact, in the next couple of years. So um, because of my football abilities, I was um, offered two partial scholarships in American football, Wayne State, Nebraska, and Willamette in Oregon. So I'm living in Hawaii. So for any Hawaiian kid growing up, that's a, that's a big deal mm. because you're just on the island. And for somebody to recognize your talents that is at a small colleges, but still to go to college, uh, it was a partial scholarship. So when I asked my father if he would help with the remaining portion of the scholarship so that I could play college football in America, he refused. So that was disappointing. Mm. And I realized that that expectations in life produce pretty much only two things, disappointment and unhappiness. Every time in my life I had expectations about anything, these were normally the results I received, disappointment and unhappiness. Why? Because they never turn out the way you hope, wish, or pray. Mm. So lessons start early in my life. So I decided to join the Army. Uh, I graduated about the 15th or 16th of June in 1962. Uh, the 4th of July, 1962, I was already inducted into the military for three years as a volunteer and went on board a Navy ship that took 310 of us from Hawaii to Fort Ord, California for our basic training. So we did eight weeks of eight weeks of basic training in Fort Ord. Then I had chosen an MOS of 73210, which was a finance clerk. So after basic training, I was shipped to um, Fort Benjamin Harrison, Indianapolis, Indiana, for another six weeks of finance school. After that, I now had approximately two and a half years left in my enlistment, and they decided to uh, assign me to Fort Chaffee in Arkansas. So before that assignment, 
which I was going to remain in for the remaining period of my three years, uh, I had dreams, again, expectations of joining the army, going overseas, going to Japanese, to Japan, Okinawa, Korea, Asia, somewhere to continue this philosophy that I had a, a two-week experience in, in mm -hmm. Aikido. So expectation produces what? Disappointment <laughs> or unhappiness. And unhappiness, not yeah. or. Oh, and, they come okay, together. Right. Yeah, that's the, that's the whammy. So, <laughs> uh, so after I had gone to Fort Chaffee, Arkansas, uh, I was there for a little over one year of my two and a half years left. And during that period of time, because I had just graduated not too long ago from high school and was in very good condition physically, uh, I was a, a very good athlete. And this is where I wanted a lot of my energies into sports. Mm -hmm. So I joined every team on our headquarters team that had to do with athletics. So only as a high school graduate, uh, I was on the first team of our post-basketball team, volleyball team, and football team. And on one of the afternoons that I would play volleyball with the post-elite, the higher ranks in the military, that they would use their lunch period to play volleyball. And these were all officers. They were not like I was an enlisted person, and I was just a private then. But because the guy that ran the gymnasium was from Hawaii, and his name was James Keanu, and in 1957, he was the world surfing champion. His brother is a very famous beach boy in Waikiki, Hawaii, named Rabbit Kekahi. So James Keanu was in charge of the post-gymnasium, and because he was a fellow Hawaiian, he would always want me to help and join and play with them because many of the officers were, of course, higher rank, but they always needed somebody else to play, and I was the one that would set the ball for the people to slam. I was not necessarily the one that spiked the ball, but I made sure I would give the ball to the other officers so they would have an easy opportunity to hit the ball over the net. So that happened, and one day while we were doing that, we heard a, a loud banging. The windows were shaking. And we were wondering what caused it. We thought it may have been some explosives on the base that they were sending off during lunchtime that caused the window to vibrate. Well, we kept hearing this, and it was loud because it was close. It was actually in the gymnasium. And when we looked to one corner of the gymnasium, we saw this guy. He was dressed in what I didn't know then was a karate uniform, really, but a white outfit with a black belt. And he was punching the folding bleachers that they accordion back. You know, these bleachers yeah, yeah. you roll away. So you can roll them back in until they're narrow. If you want to use them, you roll them out. So they were compressed back. And he was punching it with his bare knuckles and hitting it so hard that the windows behind it were vibrating with every punch. So everybody stopped playing volleyball and looked at him and started to wonder, who in the hell is this crazy guy? punching the bleachers with his bare knuckles. So we found out quite soon, because after we finished playing, the officers left to go back to work. And I stayed there with James, the guy that was running the post-gymnasium. And I was allowed to play sports, because I was playing all these other sports, 
I really didn't have to go back to my MOS job. I didn't have to be a finance clerk anymore. So I spent my time just playing activities in sport. So this guy that was punching the, the bleachers, he walked to us and he said, in a tone of voice and a dialect that I understand, because he was now, I find out, Hawaiian. So he said, hey, brother, what are you guys doing? And I said, hey, you Hawaiian? And he said, yeah. He said, what? no, I'm Hawaiian too. And Jama is Hawaiian. Hey, wow, that's awesome, bro. Everything okay? Yes. So we're talking, you know, with our little pidgin English. Then he said, uh, oh, what part of Hawaii are you from? I said, I'm from Maui. He said, I'm from Maui too. I said, fantastic. Where? In Kihei. I said, oh, I'm from Lahaina. I went to Lahaina Luna High School. He said, really? My younger brother, Angus Peters, went to Lahaina Luna High School. I said, Angus was your brother? He was my idol. When I was a freshman, Angus was a senior and playing the position of N that I admired him and I wanted as a freshman to become like Angus. I wanted to be an N. This was your younger, younger brother? And he said, yes. I said, wow, what coincidence. Now, my understanding of the universe is there's no such thing. There are no coincidence. There's no accidents in the universe. It's called synchronicity. So I went like, this is incredible. He says, well, you know, I just came back from Okinawa. I said, wow. Yeah, I was on tour of the Lydia. You know, I took, um, I was taking karate there for a long time. And I'm a fourth degree black belt. I have 13 years experience in martial art. And I was just assigned to this base. So I just came a couple of weeks ago. So I would like to start a club on post. Would you guys like to join? And being athletic, I simply said, man, I would love to join. This would be fun. And again, I'm saying this because of this Japanese guy I met when mm -hmm. I was a junior in high school that did Aikido. So I immediately said, well, maybe this is my opportunity to find this ideal way of living, to create a lifestyle, a philosophy, harmony, balance, peace. Maybe I can do it through this guy because he's Hawaiian too. So might be, and his personality and charm, very charismatic, very outgoing, very friendly, like most Hawaiians are. So he started a, a club on post and I became one of the first original six students that started with him. Shall I continue with the story? Is it okay? Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I thought maybe I'm talking too much and you guys no, are just no, like, no, 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 there's no such okay. thing. Just keep going. It's great. Yeah. All right, thank you. So during my very first lesson with Sensei Peters, Herbert Peters was his name. My first lesson with him, he started off the class by saying this. He said, I don't know what you guys expect to learn about karate, but I'm telling you right now, right up front, it's going to take you a minimum of five years to get to a black belt level of proficiency. But you may never get there in a million years. That yeah. is the minimum amount of time we require for anyone to get that level of proficiency. Never before. Now, I was young, cocky, arrogant. And I said to myself, I didn't dare say it out loud. Mm. I said to myself, well, I don't know how long other people will take, but it's not taking me five years. 
to become a black belt. I'm going to do it my very first day. Now I said, I didn't say it out loud. And my rationale and my mindset was the way I became an all-star football player and I was always the best I could be. I was never better than anyone else. It was never my intent to be better than someone. Mm. But it was always my goal to be the very best I could be for me. And that was sufficient. In fact, it served me throughout my life quite well as a result of adopting this philosophy. Mm. So my very first day, he got into a horse stance. He put his left arm in a horse stance and threw a punch. I followed him. I caught, He was right across from me. So there was nothing I could not say I could not emulate and copy. The only thing I didn't have was the spiritual content. I could do the physical things. I could probably do it better than he could because he was 33. I was only 19. Mm. So I could easily copy what he was doing and did it physically, appearance-wise, as good as he was. But I lacked the wisdom, the mm. knowledge. I lacked the spiritual nature that would com complete this idea and make what I did effortless. So I continued with this idea. So let's carry the story forward rapidly. Three months from the first day I started, he came back to class and said, you know, I just got an invitation from Tulsa, Oklahoma, a karate school there by a guy named Lou Angel, and he is going to do this karate tournament a few weeks from now, and we have an invitation. Who would like to go? I raised my hand immediately. Why? Because I've done team sports all of my life, but I never was responsible for who I was individually. Mm. And this gave me an opportunity to see how good I was by myself, not having support around me. Understand? Mm -hmm. Nod your head. <laughs> Joke. Only teasing. Only teasing. So I raised my hand. And I said, wow. I would like to try that. That sounds like fun. I mean, I can punch somebody in face and don't go to jail. <laughs> so, so I said, yeah, I, I'd like to try that because I am young, stupid, and arrogant. So he said, oh, but we have a problem. And I said, we have a problem? Do you have a mouse in your pocket? I don't have a problem. He said, well, there's a couple things I have to tell you about before we go there. What is it? Well, first of all, um, there's an entry fee. You have to pay to compete. Mm. Well, I competed all my life and never paid a penny. Mm. I said, what do you mean I have to pay to compete? Well, you know, they have to buy trophies. And they have, I said, what, 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 what? They have to buy trophies. So the money you're paying to enter, part of that money goes to buying trophies, awards. And I said, they're going to have trophies i love trophies so he said well there's another problem it's five dollars each because i want you to enter two divisions of competition kata and sparring mm -hmm. so that'll be and i'm trying you know my math was not good so i said okay five dollars for one so two would be can you help me out ah ten dollars yeah i'm playing with you are we going to have fun as well or what <laughs> absolutely yeah, you guys are like, yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. It's here. great. We're just so I'm interested. I'm just absorbing Carol. everything. Okay. <laughs> so never mind as I get off base and make a little humor once in a while. Would no, that be carry okay? carry on. 
Hey, okay. carry on. We're loving this. It's brilliant. <laughs> okay, so now he said we had two issues. One was that we had to pay an entry fee. So I said, well, okay. But once he said there are trophies, I went like, wow. Because I remembered when I was in the eighth grade, I was a very good basketball player. So good that when we played in an elementary school tournament, I was selected as an all-star for the whole island in the eighth grade. And I received, I still have, Ate, can you bring my trophy, please? I still have it from 1958. Oh, wow. So I got this award for being a basketball all-star in the eighth grade. This was my first experience of being recognized and appreciated for my skills and abilities. Mm-hmm. Where is it? Ah. Oh, wow. There wow. it is. That one. That's beautiful. This is my most prized possession, trophy-wise. All the others I've ever won means nothing. This is who I became. This is my identification of who I started to become, this idea. Yeah. Once I accepted this philosophy that what I did to get this, I can do this anytime I want. Mm. So yeah. it changed my whole mindset. So anyway, he said, I said, well, what's the other problem? He said, well, the other problem is that when we go there, I want you guys to get experience. So for you to get experience, I'm going to allow you to wear a brown belt to fight in this tournament yeah. so you can get experience. Now, I'm thinking, I've been in it three months. Mm. I am only a white belt. I have to wear a brown belt. I realize mathematically, if it takes me five years to get a black belt, that means the people that are brown belt are approximately two and a half years minimum in experience. Yeah. And these people are not my age. They are grown men that probably fought in the Korean conflict. These are all military people at that time, 1963. Karate, they didn't have karate schools like we have today. No. They didn't have teaching kids, women. No, these were all grown men. So I started to do the math and I said, well, wait a minute, I'm going to be fighting brown belt that at least have two years experience. I, said, I started to become afraid. Mm. I was thinking like, holy crap, I'm going to get my butt kicked. But when we went there to register, there was a girl sitting at the desk that was taking registration. My instructor accompanied and said to her, uh, I want my student here, Mike Stone, to enter two divisions of competition as a brown belt. I'm his instructor. I will validate that. And of course, nobody ever questioned it then, right? Mm. So I signed up an application to fight brown belt division in kata and sparring. But now my mindset about this wonderful little thing over here, I yeah. said, I said, uh, listen, before I give you my 10 bucks, would it be okay if I go in the gym and look at the two trophies I'm going to take home? <laughs> she looked at me and went, is this guy crazy? And she looked at my instructor and said, is this guy crazy? He said, <laughs> no, nah, never mind what he says. You know, he kind of thinks different from most people. But she said, yeah, go ahead. I went in the gym. I saw all the trophies lined up on these folding tables. I went down the list looking for brown belt first place kata. I found it. I picked it up. It was about 17 inches long. I looked at it and said, wonderful. This is great. I think I'll take this. 
Then I put it down and went looking for the one that said kumite or sparring. I found that one. It looked exactly like the other one. It's a duplicate with the exception of the nameplate. Mm-hmm. One said kata, one said sparring. So now I had to justify why am I going to take two of the same thing? I said, well, I need bookends. Real humor. Get it? Bookends. <laughs> yeah, yeah right? absolutely. Matching. You need a matching pair. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do I have to explain everything do, do to you, you guys? Do you still have them and do you use them as bookends? <laughs> no, they're not bookends, but I still do have them. They're on the floor in our, uh, we have like a little mini museum here at the house. Oh, wow. Okay. So now, make a long story short, I go in and I end up taking those two trophies home. At the end of that event, there was a gentleman there named Alan Steen from Dallas, Texas, who was going to have a tournament 30 days later in Dallas, Texas, called the Southwest Karate Championships. Mm. He saw me fight and everything, went over to my instructor and said, listen, I'm having a tournament next month in Dallas. I want to invite you guys. Will you guys want to go? I raised my hand and said, yes, I'd like to go. Will you have trophies there? (laughs) He said, yes. I said, how much? Do I pay to buy two more? He said, well, I don't know about buying two more. You have to win. I said, well, we don't worry about the winning part. What would it cost me to get two more trophies? It's $7. I said, $2 more than this tournament? He said, yes. I said, are they any bigger? He said, yeah, maybe four or five inches. So I started to calculate. I said, I think I can take two more. I went to (laughs) Dallas and won two more. While we're in Dallas, Alan Steen's karate instructor is a guy named Mr. June Ree from Arlington, Virginia. Oh, wow. Mr. June Ree is very well known as one of the pioneers of American karate. And he was holding the nationals in Arlington, Virginia. Alan Steen is his number one student. Pat Burleson is Alan Steen's number one student. So now they said the nationals will be in another month. Mr. Ree asked, if we would like to come. I said, yes. And the next questions were, will you have trophies? <laughs> How much is the entry fee? It was now $10. How big are the trophies? About 11 inches higher than these. I will go there and take two more. Thank you very much. <laughs> I won two more in Dallas, went to the Nationals a month later, and won two more again. Now, here's where the story twists. This is now my sixth month in karate after three months we fought in tulsa dallas and now the nationals so at the nationals it was at going into my sixth month actually my fifth month now when we're there and i'm competing and i'm doing exceptionally well we now fly back after that because i win those two i win those two trophies as well Mm. so now flying back I'm very excited, obviously, and happy. I think this is quite normal what I'm doing. I don't think I'm doing anything exceptional. I compete. I want to win. I win. You Mm. lose, you have a problem. I don't have a problem. So now we're flying back to Arkansas from Virginia. And my instructor is not very happy. So I look at his face and I say, Sensei, is everything okay? He said, yes. I said, are you happy? He said, oh, yes, Mike, of course. I'm very happy for you. I, I'm very happy. I'm, I'm excited. No, everything is okay. But I said, then it seems like something's bothering you. What is it? He said, well, 
He says to me, if you want to know the truth, while you are having fun, beating up people and don't go to jail and win trophies for it, mm -hmm. many people came up to me while you were doing this and they said, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Mr. Peters, I heard that you are a black belt, fourth degree from Okinawa, and you've trained in the Orient, and you recently came to America. Yes, he said. Well, we were kind of like wondering. Anytime you hear this phrase, we were wondering, yeah. problem. Mm. So they said, we were wondering that, well, we don't want to accuse you or anything, but we were wondering, like, is Mike Stone your student? He said, yes. Well, you know, it's kind of puzzling. And we've been thinking about him because every place he went so far, he's winning everything as a brown belt. Mm. So no, we don't want to, we're not accusing you, but was he a, your best black belt and you demoted him to a brown belt so he could win all these tournaments? My instructor was, what? Wow. What? Is that what you believe? They say, well, Mr. Yeah. Peters, you have to agree. It is impossible for this guy to go everywhere and win everything. It, it cannot be. He's too good to be a brown belt. He's not a brown belt. In fact, Mr. Peters, if he is not promoted to a black belt, he will not be allowed to compete in any more tournaments in the country. Wow. Wow. And I'm going like, what? That's what they said? He said, yes. I said, my God, I, really? He said, yes. So then I said, what am I going to do? He said, I'm caught in this dilemma. Yeah. I said, who is she? He said, no, it's not the girl's <laughs> name. It's Dilemma, not, you know, some exotic name. I'm teasing. <laughs> you guys are so easy to have fun with. So I said, yeah. He said, I'm caught in this dilemma. I said, what is your dilemma? I thought you said you're happy. I am. But he said, remember what I told you your very first day in karate? Mm. And I said, I pretended like I didn't remember. It's only yeah. six months before. I said, no, because I wanted him to say it again loud. Yeah. I said, no, I don't remember what you said. What was it you said to me? He said, remember the first day? I said, I don't know what you guys expect about karate, about what you know about martial arts, but it will take a minimum of five years to get your black belt, and that's the minimum. You may never get it. Remember that? So I mm -hmm. pretended like, ah, yeah, yeah, I remember. He said, well, what am I going to do? I said, why? I know how much you love what you're doing. I know the yeah. passion you have for it. Mm. I can see it the way you train, the way you think, the way you perform. It is in harmony. I have never had a student that can execute flawlessly like you do with someone that is. In fact, when he said to them, when they said, well, come on, Mr. Peters, he can't be simply a brown belt. My instructor said, no, he's not. He's a white belt. They said, what? <laughs> no, he is really a white belt i let him wear a brown belt only to get experience wow and they said well you have to give him a black belt otherwise we won't we can't allow him to compete wow. so now the dilemma was what are you going to do he has to now change his belief mm. yeah he has to change his entire perception now what really had happened was because of this, I had changed the perception of everybody in America. All the people that were teaching karate, 
This was a standard reality. Mm. Five years to get your black belt. Never mind you're taking kung fu, hopscotch, marbles, hula hoop. It makes no difference. I'm joking. It makes no difference what art you're taking from what country. This is the standard. Anybody yeah. coming from, from the Orient, they were told by the Japanese instructors, you don't promote American people unless they get fired. You understand? Mm. This was the truth. Okay. This was an accepted reality throughout the country. Yeah. Everybody believed yeah. it. So now he's wondering, what am I going to do? Am I going to write back to Okinawa? And I said, I'm going to give the name. And they said, well, didn't you just open a school recently? Like six months ago? Yeah. Mm. And you have a black belt already? We're not going to sign that certificate. But he said, no, this guy is really good. I don't care. He doesn't have the wisdom to match his physical ability. He doesn't have the spirit of the Bushido. But he said, no, he is already this idea. Otherwise, how could he be so good so fast? Mm. He's not trying to become good. He's not working hard. He's not sacrificing. There is no effort. What he does, he does it flawlessly. Mm. I am even amazed when I teach him. So I'm going to have to promote him because he loves to do this. Why would I now interfere with his whole career? Mm. By saying, oh, you got to wait another four and a half years. I love what you just said. I love yes. what you just said. I just, I just got to stop and jump in there because you said yes. he already is this idea. Mm. Yes. That, that to me, that's, that is amazing. Well, he you want to hear it some more as I talk about other things. Yeah, no, I, and, and I get that that comes up for you a lot in the rest of your life as well because I've yes. seen you no, talk about no. that. But to have no, the idea of it. Coming. Go ahead. Amazing. I'm sorry, I apologize. Go no, ahead. no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just impressed by that idea. You had the idea, you saw the idea, you've embodied the idea, and you have become the idea in six months. No, That's amazing not, not to become. Me. I want to correct you, please. Please do. I'm not becoming something. I am that idea. Yeah. Mm. Becoming yeah. means you're not yet that. Okay. Mm. So you become something you're not. I can't become something I already am. I, I embody the thinking. I am this idea. And I mm. simply express it naturally, which allows me to win all the time. Mm. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But yeah. I, I appreciate what you said. Yeah, fantastic. I appreciate what you said. Thank you. Thank you. Do carry on, by the way. I'm sorry to interrupt your flow there. Please go no, back no, to No, no, it's it. okay. It's okay. So... Um, as we're in the airplane and he's now telling me this whole story, what happened to him and how he had to explain to these people that, listen, I mean, you know, the guy is just good. He's really not a brown belt. He's neither a black belt. He's a white belt. And I'm caught up in what am I going to do with this guy? It would be a total injustice to him if I leave him stranded this way. Mm. When he is already another idea. He's not my perception of him or other people's perception that at six months you should only be approximately this level of ability. He's already far beyond that. So what do I do with him? Do I now hold him back by he denying him, denying him who he is? Mm. Big difference. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. You don't judge me on my performance of who you think I should be, which is what they do in 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 grading people, right? Yeah. The yeah. instructor has the perception. If you don't live up to the instructor's perception, you won't get promoted. Mm. But if I allow him to see that I am not becoming something, I am I embody this idea. And he's not foolish enough not to see it. Mm. So as we're flying back, he says, well, when we get back to the post, I will promote you to a black belt. And I said, under my breath, it's about time. <laughs> I've been training for six whole months. My God, what do I have to do to convince you I'm good enough? I'm teasing. <laughs> Do you do you I, I do I do have a question because because I've spoken before about about the grading system and I, I do have some problems with it. Do you what's your thoughts on on the grading system? Like this whole idea of everyone has to have a set time because you know, I know obviously not everyone's going to get promoted to black belt in six months. But the idea of just like you said, judging someone on not not holding people back because of a set. Yeah. Rule. Well, I think that has a place. Uh, uh, not in this particular activity, because okay. this this is an individual thing. Yeah. So you you must allow the spiritual integrity of an individual to develop and shine as it does. You cannot hold it back. Mm. You cannot judge thirty people in the class and say, "Well, we have a standard belief." Yeah. But not each person is the same. So why mm. would you hold everyone to the same standard? when you will be holding quite a few people back, my belief is, because you have to allow people to fly, to be free. Mm -hmm. So you can't make a particular requirement and just say, we have to stick with this no matter what anybody says. That's totally unfair. Yeah. Totally unfair. So personally, I don't believe in it. No, no, I agree. I, th I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I mean, when, when you're um, teaching or for any of your, your students, are you, are you quite free in terms of promotion? You don't have like a set time, I guess. You just as as and when people's ability comes through. Yes, I, I tell them in advance. Yeah. I don't tell them what I was told when I was a white belt. Then no. it's going to take you five years. Yeah. I say you will advance according to your own speed and time. Yeah, your own rhythm. Your own yeah. balance. Your yeah. own harmony. You tell me when you're ready by your performance. Yeah. I don't tell you when I'm ready because five years have passed by. That's mm. ridiculous. No, I love that. I think that's great. That's one of the, the big problems I have with with karate is, is this whole, you know, passed down structure that no one really enforces, but it's enforced because it was enforced years ago. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah, I, I love that, that you, you just let people develop and as and when yes. they're ready. They, yeah, I think that's brilliant. Well, you know, when the when the student is ready, right? Mm. Yes, the teacher, the teacher will appear. It's not the other way around. Yeah, it's when the student is ready. Because no matter who the teacher is, if the student is not ready to absorb, integrate the information mentally, spiritually, and physically, then it may take more than five years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah. There was um there was a question slightly related to that on a forum that I saw recently that had a had a lot of responses. And the question was, is it disrespectful for a student to say no to the offer of a grading 
when asked to grade by their teacher. What do you what do you feel about that? Well, I I have two feelings about it. First of all, I am a student. The respect I show to my instructor is simply that. It is respect. Mm. I may accept it out of courtesy and gratitude. But if I know in my heart I'm not that idea, then it will encourage me more to get to that idea as soon as possible. Because somebody else believes in me being that idea. Even though I know the truth, I am not that. Mm. I will do my best to live up to it as quickly as possible. Out of respect. Now understand something, please, if I may. All these wonderful ideas, concepts, perceptions, philosophies, all of this starts with you. Yeah. If I don't respect and love myself first, it will be very difficult for me to show respect to anybody, regardless of whether it's my instructor or not. Yeah. So it must start this way of living. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not a belief. It's the way you are. Again, if you are integrity, you don't have to try to show that you have integrity. Mm. Integrity will show by your actions, by your thoughts, and by your performance. Mm -hmm. There is nothing you have to say that can prove to someone, listen, I will tell you how integrated I am. It's bullshit. Excuse me. If, if I yeah, That's okay. <laughs> we can bleep that out, right? No, it's fine. <laughs> no, we leave it in. It's all good. Yeah, that's really... So anyway, this this is how I got to be a black belt uh, within six months from the day I started. Now, my very first black belt tournament was within a few months of this. It was in August at the 1964 International Karate Championships sponsored by Ed Parker. Yeah. This is where Bruce Lee came to mm -hmm. do his first exhibition. Yeah. I had won that event as the light heavyweight uh, in both kata, I won in kata, and also in sparring, and also the grand championship of the first wow. international. So again, this is my very first black belt event. And at this event, what was ironic, synchronicity, I'll use that, not ironic even. My instructor had lost to a guy named Mills Crenshaw, a very big gentleman, about maybe 260 pounds, six feet five, from Utah, an Ed Parker student. And he, my instructor had lost to Mills Crenshaw. Now, how the universe works is really quite remarkable. If my instructor had won that match, I would be pitted against my instructor in the next round, oh, wow. which I never would have fought him, never. No. So the fact that he lost gave me an opportunity to go through Mills Crenshaw and another big Hawaiian guy in the finals that allowed me to win the grand championship. So. The universe works wonders. Mm. That means the universe will simply reveal back to me what is my truth. So no matter, it would have worked out this way because that's what I wanted. Yeah. I, I don't wait for the universe to tell me what life is. I demand of the universe what my life will be. It's a very different way to perceive life. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that was my first. And again, we can go on and on, but it ended up being this way that in my entire martial arts career, 
fighting in individual black belt competition. I'm not talking about special teams, uh, you know, things like that. In mm. individual competition, I have won 91 consecutive matches with I don't have a second place trophy in my house. That's unbelievable. That's For incredible. anything. So there must be something I was doing that was so uniquely different from everybody else, no matter how good they were at that time, mm. that what I was doing was far and above more efficient in everything, the way I thought, the way I expressed, and the way I did. Yeah. So this made what I did remarkable. But for me, personally, no, it's perfectly natural. I expect to win. I expected it. This is, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And besides, they gave trophies for free. <laughs> See, that, that so mindset only is, um, Okay, that mindset so you guys have a question at this time? Yeah, I was going to say that the mindset of, of you know you're going to win before you even you step on the mat is you hear that a lot now, like today from you know the, the UFC guys or, or professional boxers, you know, the best yeah. of the best, they have that mindset. Yeah. Of course, you have to, otherwise, how can yeah. you possibly win? Yeah. If I may tell a short story about that, would that be no, okay? Carry on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, went to a, I went to a tournament in uh, Peoria, Illinois. It was the World Championships in Chicago. Mm. And um, it was the USKA. A guy named uh, Bob Trias is the one of the pioneers of American karate at that time. And um, they were holding the World Championships. I went to attend there. When I went there, I was actually there by myself uh, because my instructor had already left. But I had still had opportunities to attend these events. Because remember, I was still pretty much in the military. Mm. I still had about another year and a half to go. So when I went to this event, I sensed, I sensed something remarkable. That whenever I walked into an arena, especially an arena this big, which was a major event at that time. Mm. When I walked into the arena, I knew for a fact that many people have never seen me. They don't know who this guy Mike Stone was. Yeah. There were no pictures, no articles, no magazines about me at that time. So why is it when I walked into an arena, I would hear people when I passed them, hey, that's Mike Stone. That's the guy. And I'm wondering, how can they identify me without ever seeing a picture of me or knowing I was this guy everybody was talking about? Mm. Well, what I found out was I exuded so much confidence. It was called arrogance and cockiness. Mm. I was so sure I was going to win. When I walked in, I had what's called today a swagger. I walked in as if I owned the place in advance, mm. which I did, by the way. But I did it <laughs> mentally at that time. I, I, had, I had to go in and prove it to everybody because some yeah. of the people didn't believe me. So when I walked in, but now I had to extend this energy, not only to the people that when I walked in, hey, that's my stone. That's the guy. Why? I don't know. That's the only curly-haired Hawaiian here. No joke. <laughs> so, but I now had to convince. Now, at these events, at that time, many people that sponsored the events, it were their students and their people that were the head referees and the officials of the events their students were fighting in. Made sense? Mm. Yes, that's exactly what was happening. So here I was by myself in Peoria, Illinois, all alone, walked into the arena. 
some people can sense the energy that I'm pushing out. When I now get to the ring and I bow before I come into the ring, they get Mike Stone, ring number six, and Joe Blow, ring number six. Okay, we walk to the ring. I stand outside the ring in a ready position. I bow before I go into the ring. I bow to the head referee just before we start. But when I walk into the ring and my opponent walks in from the opposite end and stand across the distance that we are spaced before they start the match, when I look at him, I'm thinking, I'm going to kick your ass. And there's not a damn thing you're going to do about it. I don't know. I'm thinking to myself, why are you here? Do you want to be hurt? Do you want to experience pain and defeat? Because this is what's going to happen, my boy. Now, I say my boy, but these people were older than I was. Bigger, stronger, faster, and more experienced than I was. But this is my mindset. I projected it so positively, yeah. he would look across at me and go, holy shit, I think he's going to kick my ass. <laughs> he would pick up my, I'm not joking. No, yeah, He would no. pick up this energy and go like, God damn, I'm in trouble. Mm. Then now I have five referees or four officials, four referees and one head judge. And three of them are from this guy's school. So now I got to convince them. Yeah. But when I walk in with this energy, they end up only looking at me. Mm. This guy can throw any technique he wants. They are so focused on this energy. They're going like, God damn, look at this guy. He's unbelievable. Yeah. He's in so if they're paying attention to me, can they see what this guy's doing to me? Of course not. They're watching what I'm doing to him. Mm. Even if it's their student, they end up calling points for me and wondering, oh, no, I didn't mean that. I want to cheat for my friend. They can't cheat. Even if they tried, they couldn't cheat. Mm. The energy is too powerful. They can't ignore this force. Yes. So they end up voting for me. That's how I keep winning no matter where I go, no matter who the referees are. I don't care. I'm going there. I'm winning. Stop me. Catch me <laughs> if you can. Remember that movie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I well, do. they caught yes. him in Italy, but they won't catch me. I'm hiding in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's so that, that mindset led you to near, nearly 100 wins and zero defeats. That's, that's unbelievable. Yes, for most people, but for me, it's quite natural. Wow, okay. It was my intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my intention to win. Mm. You know how strong intention is? Yes. In a court of law, if the, if the judge or the jury can prove that you did something with malicious intent, he mm. could add three or four years to your sentence, and he's adding years to your sentence because of a, a mental vibration, because of intent. Yeah. But you could say, but your honor, I didn't stab her 47 times, but you intended to. Mm. The fact that you didn't kill her doesn't mean you didn't try. Mm. You just didn't accomplish it. So for your intent, for your mental attitude about what you wanted to do, I will add three more years to your sentence. That's how powerful intention is. Yeah. And it's really a frequency of the mind. So we have to appreciate this power we all have. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's, yeah, I love that. It's a, it's a masterclass on masterclass on mindset today. Absolutely. <laughs> a masterclass on mindset today for us. Well, I don't know if it's a masterclass. It's simply words I'm saying. 
No, it's uh, it's to listen to somebody who um, embodies what their what their embodies their intention and then acts mm. on it and achieves on it. To listen to somebody who's got that down and and does it is is just so interesting. It really is. Mm. I'll be honest, it's what I needed to hear. I think for me. And most people say the same. I'm not saying that you're normal or you're like everybody else. Mm. I don't mean to say it by you saying that, but this is a very normal, common reaction I get. Whenever I speak, whenever I talk to people, their first thing is, man, I really needed to hear that today. Mm. And it and it can not relate to martial arts. It can relate to your romantic relationships, your children, your work, your job. It can relate to other aspects of your life that you now make a connection because this philosophy is for every part of your life. It's not only mm. for martial artists. Yeah. It's not exclusive to that idea. Yeah. That's very true. I mean, when we decided to try this um try making a podcast the idea was that you know we could see and feel quite clearly that we were going to sit in the studio and be creative and and try it out and and enjoy ourselves really may i make a suggestion without being teachy yeah of course yeah don't use the word trying anymore (laughs) okay Okay. Trying means you're not being it. Trying means you're attempting to do something. And we have a belief system already that trying is already hard. But not hard enough. Because when we're trying, somebody said, you're not trying enough. Try harder. And when you do try harder, they said, relax. You're trying too hard. Yeah. So make up your mind. And your mind should be made up. I don't try at anything. I do my best. Mm. That you can control. Trying means it's an ongoing process. There is no process in life. The process of life is in the moment you are living. You are living your life now, in this moment. There's no trying at that. But if you want to extend yourself to another perception of, I have to try, well, let me keep trying. You're going to end up being habitual, and all you find yourself doing your whole life is trying at something rather Mm -hmm. than doing it. Give yourself to uh, permission to be successful. When? Now. When else do you want to be successful? Oh, after I finish trying. It's too late. Yeah. Be successful where you want to be. Where you actually exist is where you should get results. Not the perception of yourself into the future that is not really here yet. Or worse, to bring your past into your present and get hooked up with that negativity. Mm. No, I love that. That's, no, no that's, that's not sending us to sleep. We're both going no. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. 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 Yeah. Processing. That's. Yeah. Greg's cogs are going round. They are. Yeah. <laughs> I can. I can hear, I can hear, hear it from turning. here. I can hear it too. I can hear it from the Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds pretty good. Oh yeah, it does. It, it feels yeah. good. It does. It does. Whenever you see something and you just do it because it feels like exactly the right thing to do. That's always the right thing to do. Almost always, yeah. I suppose. And, and of course, of course, to do it means you have to know who you're doing it with, which is you. Mm. Yeah. So before you attempt, try, experiment, experience anything, you have to make a, a connection with yourself that you have to know, as Socrates said, you have to know thyself. Mm. What a simple phrase. And yet this is 
what 97% of the world's population is trying to accomplish. They're trying to find out in life, who am I? Mm. What am am I doing here? What's my meaning? What's my purpose in life? Life does not have any meaning or any purpose. You are here to experience your choices. That's why you're here. You have free will to choose to experience whatever choice you want to have. When you experience it from that, from the experience, you can now extract the meaning and purpose. But life comes with no meaning. It's a big blank sheet of paper. You create from your experiences, you create the reality you wish to have. Mm. Anyway, sorry, I get caught up in this thing. No, 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 no don't apologize. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. It's been so interesting, Mike. It's lovely. We're going to have to re-listen to this one, definitely. 100%. We have the title, though. For the episode yeah Go well on. give me a what copy is... so i can listen to it and learn too oh, oh, of course no of Ma- course absolutely the, ma- the master class on mindset that, that's the name of this episode for sure 100 <laughs> percent. you might not be trying to deliver a master class but i think no, it is but, like it's yeah. very so, no, I, if i may i've been doing this for over 35 40 years yeah. i've had mm. this mindset when i was competing at 19. Mm. my my not problem, but my situation and annoyance has always been, how come people don't know this? Yeah. How come they don't know they are this powerful? What's wrong? What are they missing in their experiences in life that will allow them to realize how powerful they truly are? Mm. And this is the dilemma. This is the trying. This is the I don't know. This is the process. Mm. And that is not true. I don't believe in any process. Everything happens in the moment I live it. Yes. Yes. Well, that's brilliant, Mike. Really Mm. enjoyed listening to that. Thank you so much. Um, Can shall we? um, Greg, do you want to ask anything about that, or should we? I I wanted to go back actually, changing the subject to to, when you were Ed Parker's competitions. Yes. That was around the time that, that Bruce Lee was obviously coming up. And was yes, he was just getting started. He actually used the 1964 internationals as his yeah. first exposure to the martial arts community mm. by doing that demonstration. So, as someone who was around then, what was the because because obviously he he made quite a few critical claims of the traditional arts and karate in, in particular. What was yes, the reaction? Was, well, the reaction then was quite natural, but yeah. it was he was a loud mouth. Yeah. He never, he was arrogant. He was full of himself. Mm. Uh, he has never competed. So he could never gauge himself yeah. with what people were doing at the time. Yeah. So when he was talking to a lot of people, he was talking shit. Mm. He was just saying things and would not allow himself to back it up by getting in the ring to prove what that his style was better than all the systems that he was downgrading yeah. and saying how inefficient and ineffective they all were. Mm. But when I first heard Bruce talk, I loved him right away. I was one of the few people that did not embrace his personality and character, but I embraced his philosophy. Why? Mm. Because it was exactly like mine. Mm. Just expressed a little differently, but he had the same mindset. 
So what it was that I liked about him so much was at a officials meeting, the, the late morning of the day before the finals, that means on Saturday morning, there was an officials rules meeting. And he attended, and at that time he started to speak. And this is where he offended the vast majority of the martial artists there. Because wow. he was actually saying, what you guys are doing is shit, it's no good. What I'm doing is this new art and it's this, this, this. So he offended a lot of people right away. Mm. But again, the way I look at things is quite different from most people, I think. Yeah. What I did was I admired him for his courage. Yeah. And the courage I saw was that he was saying things that I also believed but didn't have the courage to say. Mm. I too believe that most of the things I saw was shit. It was like, you know, come on, what are you guys doing? Mm. So when I saw that and he actually said it, I said, man, this guy has a pair of things to stand up in front of all these strangers and declare that what they're doing is of no incentric value, that it's nonsense, that they're not that good, as yeah. good as they all think they are. Yeah. So when I heard him first talk, I really gravitated to him. So much so that after I had won the internationals that night, Ed Parker, Jun Ri, myself, and Bruce Lee went out to Chinese dinner to celebrate my winning. Oh, and wow. this is when Bruce and I became very close because our relationship had nothing to do with physicality. Mm. Far from it. Yeah. I knew I could kick Bruce Lee's ass at any minute. I was 5'11, mm. 180 pounds. Yeah. He was 5'6, 5'7, 130. I don't yeah. care how good he thinks he is. Yeah. And Bruce understood this when he met me, that it was not a contest physically. It was our mindset. This mm. is what he saw in me. Because even when we trained together, after the very first class we had, we never had another physical class unless he was teaching me a Chinese kata. We never trained anymore. You punch, I punch, you kick, I teach. No, this was not on the board. What we talked about and spent all of our time talking about was the philosophy, the mindset. And Bruce knew my mindset very much. That's why we never did anything physical. That makes a lot of sense, though. His, his, his mindset is something that definitely today I try and... Not mindset, philosophy. I definitely try and apply to my karate of... You know, yes. get rid of get rid of what you think's useless and and bring in what you think's. If I may, and, yeah. If I may, we live in a world of contradictions. Mm. We come to the physical world of relativity, and within this environment, the natural environment of physicality is contradiction. So when someone steps out and says that we have to lose all of our connection with routine, with, with being static, with being this and that, what happens is you're creating a new habit mm. <laughs> of being what you don't want to be. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So when you're saying, I'm going to do this, so I'm not conforming to any particular style, you are conforming the creation you are doing. So you become a conformant yeah. in this new philosophy or mm -hmm. new idea. To be free of that, really, you must be free of all restraints because how could he be free is what he's teaching is a design system. Yeah. Jeet Kune Do. 
yeah. that has parameters, foundations, rules, regulations, standards, stances, movement, angles. You're teaching a system, mm. which you say to everybody else, what you're teaching is shit, but you're teaching a similar system. Yeah. That is conformity to another philosophy. So we must be very careful about this. As a spiritual being, who we are first, before we ever became a human being, we were spiritual entity. We were non-physical energy. And in this existence, before we became physical, we were energy of light and love. We were pure energy, absolute energy. We simply vibrated at one frequency, and the frequency was light and love. Mm. When we became human, we had to vibrate at a much lower frequency because that's what physicality is. Being physical means the density of our body and the physical world around us vibrates at a lower frequency. But we came from a much powerful frequency that allowed us the ability to be this frequency if we choose to. That means all we have to do in our life is simply remember who we are. Mm. When we remember our origin, that we are created out of love and light, that this is the essence of who we are. This is our spiritual nature. But we forgot that when we became human because, very simply, because in order for us to live and have free will of choice, that means to choose any experience we want, we had to forget that we are pure love and light. Why? So we could choose an experience totally different from that. To be free to choose means you can't know you're perfect. You have to forget that you're perfect so you can choose not being perfect. Mm. And this is what we end up doing all of our life. Why? Because we never take the time to remember that I am love, that I am light. I am kindness, compassion, generosity, patience. This is who I am. But I'm busy trying to make a buck. So let me earn a living. Let me choose this way of living and that way. And we find ourselves at the end of the week, what doing? Hit ourselves in the head and said, man, why do I keep doing the same dumb things over and over again? And we call it, well, we make an excuse. And the excuse is, I'm human. I'm human. I make mistakes. No, you don't make mistakes. Humans do not make mistakes. They make negative choices. And from that, you get results, outcomes, and consequences of a negative vibration. Mm. That's the natural cycle. So we have to be a little bit more consciously aware of who am I? Why am I here? What is my function? What is my purpose? Well, I tell you what, since I don't have one, I will create one. Mm. I am a creator. I'm a creator of my experiential reality. I decide who I am how I want to live, happy or not, make mistake or not. Don't keep doing this every week. <laughs> you can get busy. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. Sorry I went off on a tangent. No, no, not at all. It's, oh, it's fascinating to, yeah. to hear you talk, Mike. It's, it's so interesting. Thank you. Um, that's brilliant. Do, Greg, do you want to ask any more on that one just at this moment? I mean, I'm still going through everything. So, okay. I, I think, to be honest, I think Mike, you're, you're going to need to be a regular because we're going to need to to cover Sue, this over, over, over. Sue, Say again. 
Sue, could you rewind, please? He's trying to yeah. remember what. <laughs> yeah, well, he, can, he can rewind later. It'll be all right. I'll, I'll be. Um, okay, very good. Playback. Yeah, for sure. Okay, any other questions? Yeah, I mean, should we? Um, I, I have a question on Kata, and I wanted to ask you. Um, I um, I have a question on Kata, and I also have. Um, Kata? We also just want yeah. to. Yeah, do have okay, a question. Okay, I'm sorry, I did not understand you. Well, that's okay, and it might maybe it would be good for the rest of the interview if we just kind of go through a few other slightly quicker questions. We've given that a lot of time. What do you think? Should we dive into some yes, other stuff course. for a little while? Yes, I can <clears throat> interrupt me anytime. Okay, um, so we have had um, a, a, a little bit of conversation while I was training yesterday, and it's it's become a topic. What do you think about modifying a catus even slightly? to suit to or to better express the, the bunkai that you would use that for yes Ate, do you have the poem on, in my poem book please can i read you a poem please of do course. it's a poem on kata kata has a proud tradition and long history the expression of each movement each movement is your unique personality the essence of kata must communicate from the start your true understanding which is spoken from the heart. In mastering the basics, kata helps you to this end. Along with other benefits throughout life, it transcends. The value it offers will help to guide your life in overcoming obstacles and eliminating strife. Kata develops focus and strength internally along with the powers of key and integrity it isn't just doing punches blocks and kicks it solidifies a foundation without shortcuts or tricks kata is believability projected from inside its true understanding is seen by minds opened wide for kata is more to offer than most people comprehend. To receive its full value, you must persist to the very end. Kata is sometimes looked upon by people superficially. They don't understand and appreciate its depth of subtlety. Perfecting this graceful dance of death can take your whole life, like trying to understand the complex woman man calls wife. <laughs> this is kata. So I think I, I've answered your question several times. Yeah. If you think about what I just said. Yeah. I love. I just got to say, I love that graceful dance of death. Yeah. The In idea the about bunkai is simply that. Do you have? Are you asking me whether someone has the authority? To change a kata? I mean, I guess that that's part of it, I, I, I guess, because that, that yeah. does seem to be, especially coming from, from a Shotokan background, you know, th there's very strict, you know, rules. You must do it this way and, and never question it. But, you know, listening to, to you talk and about it's your own personal expression. No, it is. Yeah. Even if, even if you do what is required in a particular sequence, Mm. Even if the kata is the same for the 30 people that do it, mm. 
if you're watching for the very first time kata competition and you've never been in karate before and you watch 30 different people do the same kata, you will have a different perception about each person as to how they perform the kata. Yeah. So the how in performance is the you that you believe in. Mm. That's what you're projecting, a feeling about what you're doing, believability from inside. Mm -hmm. And when it is different, a different projection because of integrity, then someone watching you can go, wow, he's really good. And that person, nah, not so good. But you don't know anything about kata. You don't even know what they're doing. But yet you can pass judgment. So what are you judging on when you watch it? You're judging their personal integrity. Mm. So let's take that aside and say, okay, if I want to be a Shotokan black belt and I have done that, once I get to that level, my friend, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to create my own katas that are in synchronicity with who I am, not mm. what somebody did 200 years ago. Mm. So once I show respect by doing kata the way they want me to, once I get to a certain level, isn't it the idea for you to expand yourself, mm. to be creative? Do you now stop creativity because you're only required to do this particular way? Very selfish way to teach, yeah. in my opinion. No, yeah, I agree. So I guess leading from that then, what, what, what's your kind of um, opinion on, on the karate world today? Because obviously it's, it's grown into a pretty diverse community now. You know, there's lots of subsections of it and uh, some good, please, some bad. Please don't get me started on that. <laughs> is that is that is that a topic for the for another time? <laughs> yeah, no, and yeah, that's for another two days of talking. Uh, <laughs> that is why I left America to come to the Philippines. I've been living on the same property for thirty-five years. Why? Because it was going in a direction that I did not appreciate. Yeah, I wanted to still find this guy from my junior summer. Understand? Yeah, and I I saw. Maybe in my entire martial arts career, I found three people that get very close. Mm. Three. These, I will gladly say, are grandmasters, but they will not allow me to say that. They will say, please, Mike, call me sensei. Mm. This is what I want. I want humility. I want honesty. Mm. I want integrity. And these other people... now. I know many of them that are much higher rank than I am, much higher. They're all grandmasters, but I will never address them as that. They were given a name by their father, like I was given a name by my father. My mm. name is Mike. I, I cannot honor my parents more than to accept the name Mike. I was not born Sensei Grandmaster Stone. I was born Mike Stone. If it's okay for my father to call me that, it's okay for anybody to call me that. Yeah. Your father chose this name for you. I think I am honoring you and your father by calling you the name he gave you. Mm. And for me, that's enough. If you want any more, you're looking in the wrong direction, my friend. Yeah. That's, that, that's, that's, I, I like that because that, yeah, that, that's very different to the, I, I don't want to say common because I don't know if it's common anymore, but it's 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 very different to the kind of 
the norm in karate, I guess. Well, I am, I am not normal, as you can no, tell. I, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's great. I, I mean, but I've always hated being called, even sensei, I don't like it, and Sewell writes for that. I, I, it's just something about it. I just... You can call me sensei on the mat. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. when I'm off the mat, my yeah. name is Mike. So sensei, there is a certain uh, uh, amount of respect and decor coming from an environment where you're teaching students this philosophy. Mm. It's, just, it's just like calling a teacher a teacher or Mr. whatever yeah. the name is. So this I have no problem with. What I don't really appreciate is when these martial arts guys get off the mat, they're at a restaurant, they're at a movie, and they expect their students to bow to them out in public. Please, oh my God. give me yeah. a break. My, my, I, I, we knew a guy, my instructor, um, we, we had a student who did that and my instructor hated it. He was like, he was very much, you know, like you, once we leave, once we leave the dojo, you know, I'm not sensei, I'm just Jeff, you know, I'm, yeah, if you see me outside, absolutely. but you know, he, he would run into him at the supermarket and he would stop halfway down and he would shout down to him. He'd go sensei and then stop and bow to him and you go for god's sake why are you doing this in the middle of the supermarket to me yeah. like <laughs> and of yeah, course in the yeah. supermarket you can't stop bumping into people so that must have happened in the bread aisle and in the milk yeah. aisle and... <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely absolutely you moved to the philippines do you do you do any because obviously philippines is is rife with martial arts themselves yes it do is. You, do you do you take part in any of that have you have you learned a yes, lot from... yes of course i'm always learning yeah, always. I, I I I train every day. Okay. I'm still. I have a beautiful dojo. It's very simple. But there's a lot of energy, a lot of respect. I mm. put up a list of people that I value their personal integrity. So I have my my kind of wall of fame type thing. Mm. Uh, and of course, my instructor is at the top of the list of the row of people I respect and I always will respect him and he's now 82 years old. I get to visit him when I go to Hawaii every once in a while. So I'm still very, very blessed to have the opportunity to still talk and chat with him. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed for sure. For sure. Yeah. What, so you obviously train every day. Well, what's kind of your, this leads into favorite character that we normally ask people. What's your what's well, your go-to cutter that you that you train with and? Well, I, I train with we have uh, <clears throat> fifteen basic ones, mm. and I go through all of them three times. The first time slowly, yeah. The second time at half speed, and the third time full speed. Mm. And then the ones I like the most are the ones that I've created myself, obviously okay. because of my arrogance, yeah. but. <laughs> Because it fits my personality and what I want to do. Yeah. So I've created my own katas and I've taught them to some of my students that have become national champions in America by doing forms that are not regular forms. They're not traditional forms. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you can see the Okinawan flavor in my creations then we go under that banner that we're doing an Okinawan kata. But of course, quite different in the expression of it. Yeah, the rhythm, the timing, and everything about it is not robotic, mm. not like Korean forms. It yeah. has a, it. It almost looks my Okinawan katas that I created are are a cross between Okinawan karate and kung fu. Very fluid, flowing, mm -hmm. 
circular motions, different motions, but still with the direct, powerful, strong impacts on certain kicks and strikes and elbows. But I blend the combination of it. Again, this is only done for my personal preference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not a requirement of my of my system. So when you when you were creating those those kata, how did you do? Because I'm guessing you didn't kind of you you you're not at the level where you would worry about oh this is how I'm going to defend against this attack, so I'm going to do this. Like, did you just kind of start like you said with a blank piece of paper and just see where? Yeah, I, I, I do what I prefer to uh, express physically. Yeah. But after I've done that, I can easily go back and pick out the bunkai in it. Yeah. You understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't do it because of the bunkai to create the kata. Yeah. I create the kata first, and then the bunkai is in the kata, and I can extract that. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Backwards. <laughs> Well, that makes sense because because obviously you're creating it from your mind. So, well, I'm I'm also doing it from a different perspective. I'm not 200 years old. Yeah. So I'm doing my katas are realistic in the sense that it applies to today's movement. Mm. I I consider obstacles, phone booths, chairs, tables. Mm. I consider other elements in doing my kata because I may encounter that in the real life situation. Yeah. I may get caught in the corner of a room that the that the two 90 degree angles come together and mm. I'm caught right in the corner. I don't have room to pick up my arm and cock it back. So I must, I in what I do, it's quite unique also, I think, because we do a system called isolate and control. Mm. That means everything we do, all the basics is with the perception of isolate and controlling. So by doing that, my basics become very powerful, very strong, because I'm doing it in the most restrictive, controlled situation. And yet, within that, the maximum power and speed. Mm. So that's very difficult to do, to generate power where you cannot even move your elbow back that far. Yeah. You have to punch from a position of almost being static. Mm -hmm. From wherever your hand is, is where you have to move. So now this allows you tremendous creativity and flexibility in the designing, in the creation of what it is you want to do. <clears throat> and in doing that, your body gets the maximum benefit because it's trying to get the most range of motion from the most limited position, still mm. with the maximum power. Understand? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So imagine how difficult that would be. Yeah. If I can do that, imagine what I could do in any position, mm. including being trapped against the wall. Yeah. So I, I, but again, listen, we're all, you know, we're all different. So we, some of us do what do what we're taught and only that without realizing that we are we are creators, we are natural creators, we are gifted, we are talented. And not to not to express that aspect of who we are is not the best thing we can do for us. Mm. We can do better. So anyway. That makes a lot of sense. That makes see that to me makes far more sense than this dogmatic 
you do what I tell you to do. And that's well, that because I wear a black belt and I've done it for, you know, it's, it makes far more sense. It had its place. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And its place is not now. No. But yeah. By yeah. the way, I associate place or location with time. Mm. So now means it doesn't matter where I am. I live according to the present reality. The location makes no difference. I am where I need to be at that moment. Why? Because no matter where I choose to be, I exist then. No matter where that is. So I'm existing in the present moment all the time. I don't wear a watch. I have a I, I have to always ask, what time is it? When do I have to come for this? Do you have to come and get me? I, it's not my business to know that. <laughs> if I'm not there, I don't need to be there, whether I chose it or not. <laughs> Sorry. I, I must I try that. that. I must try that I'm, on the people I no, work for. You know what? Yeah, if I'm not gonna there. get in trouble. <laughs> don't do that. Not where you live. You can do no, it where I'm I gonna live. Try it. I'm going to try it. Hey, you know what? If I'm I, not there, I don't need to be. <laughs> Going to try it, or you're going to do it? you're going to do it. So not I'm try gonna, it. I'm I'm so not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So you're not going to try. Yeah, very good. No, good, good, good catch, good catch. No, definitely. So um, and and also then while we're while we're talking about all of these different things, I mean, you've been you've got all of these amazing stories, and you've been writing your biography. So is that, how, how is that going? Is that done? Is that released now? No. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, I've, I've lived longer than two weeks. <laughs> no. Uh, I started to write my autobiography, meaning I was the one writing it. And I was contacted by a, a professional writer who has written several books already. And he asked if he could be the writer of my biography. So I was about a month and a half into doing my autobiography and he was a blessing from heaven. <laughs> said, Mike, can I write your biography? I've been waiting for you for a month and a half. <laughs> it is the most difficult. This is harder than karate, harder than martial arts. But I was blessed in that my entire life pretty much about 40 years ago, even longer, I started already taking notes about my philosophy, about everything. And as I went through my life, I had already compiled quite volumes of information about my life. So I simply collected them all and turned it over, sent it to him, which made his work quite easy because there was no research other than all the information I already gave him with time, dates, locations, people's names and everything. So he was like, God, I jumped into a gold mine here. It became so powerful. In fact, we, uh, we talk once a week for about three hours at a time on Zoom. And he records it. And then we, he also takes personal notes mm. because what's recorded, he cannot edit that yet. So while I'm talking, if he asks a question, then he will write it down. And he adds that. And then all of the things I've given him. In fact, I just found out today that one of the people I worked for many years ago, a very famous record producer named Phil Spector, uh, died at age 81. And that was on the news, pretty much all in Facebook and all the media things, because he had murdered a girl and had gone to prison for it. 
And I bodyguarded him off and on for nine years when I, from about 1967-68. And as a result of it, I got to meet the Beatles. John Lennon went to England, uh, sat on the bar stool or the piano stool with John Lennon when he recorded Instant Karma. Um, I have met Cher. I mean, everybody that was famous, I got a chance to meet these people through this guy I bodyguarded for many years. So wow. he just passed away. So I will put a little post tomorrow with a picture of he and I and uh, and all about our relation. I really had wit written quite a lot about every trip I had made with him. And many of them were quite exciting mm -hmm. and life threatening because as a bodyguard. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things are also in a file that I gave to the writer. Blake Chavez is the writer of the biography. So yes, it's doing very well. We're moving quite rapidly. It'll take time. It's not easy to write a book. Mm. Uh, I'm not in a rush. I get less rights of any corrections, additions, what goes in, what goes out. But I want to call the book Nothing But the Truth is the title I want to give it. And in it, of course, as best I can, will be Nothing But the Truth. Mm. I'll definitely... I'll definitely be reading that for sure. Well, you have to buy a copy. I 100% will. <laughs> 100 buy it for him as a gift, Sue. <laughs> buy it for him as a gift. <laughs> Certainly, of course I will. That will be an interesting read when it comes out. And I hope you I will. Think um, so. I think yeah. it will be quite fascinating, yes. Mm. Definitely yeah. it will. There's a lot of very unique unbelievable stories in fact if i may since we're talking uh there will be a biography and a book separate from that because i have so much information on my martial arts career mm. so there will be a separate karate book about what i talked about my karate life all the you know the mindset and all that so yeah. there'll be a separate book the biography will simply be about my entire life mm. and we will take out we'll leave some exciting things in the biography on my karate but we will now do an entire book about my philosophy and what I'm doing now in the Philippines. I teach a course called A Life-Changing Experience. So I've been doing this for quite a while now. I had people come from all over the world, come to my home and stay here for 7, 14, 21 or 30 days. They do not eat. They have to fast. No smoking, no drinking, no drugs, definitely. And we go through a program seven, eight hours a day for 30 days or 14 or 21 days. And it's a life-changing experience where we teach martial arts, but we teach the physical aspects of martial arts only as a trigger to activate your mind about other aspects of your life that you have difficulty with, like romantic relationships, like getting a job, how much money, what do I do? relationships with friends, sisters, uncles, relatives, every part of your life, this is what we share with people. We don't teach them anything. Mm. We just share my life's experiences and all of the mistakes I've made. That's what the book is about. It's not to glorify me in the least. That's why I'm calling it nothing but the truth. Mm. A lot of my early life is not very glamorous at all. It's quite painful even for me to have to talk about it and relive it in a sense. So it's about all the negative choices I made throughout my life that led, led, led me off the path 
but I was always blessed to have people in my life for whatever reason, and I know what the reason is, I attracted these positive people into my life to help guide me, and most of these people were coaches and karate teachers that allowed me to make the choices and changes of direction in my life that didn't put me either in jail or now dead. Mm. So there's a lot of my life that will be the truth. It won't be glamorous, and I'm not ashamed of it anymore because I accept it's just part of the journey that I had to take. Mm. And if I didn't take them as negative as they were at the time and as painful as they were, they were ultimately necessary for me to take a look at myself and say, well, wait a minute, what are you doing? Come on, stop that. That's nonsense. Mm. So that's what it is. So the martial arts part will be, you know, the trophies, the tournaments. It's all the events I sponsored, the places I've been to, the, the tournaments I did, the movies I made, all of those type of things will end the martial, because that was martial arts related. I did movies because of my martial arts skills. So that part of it, and then celebrities and everything had to do. Some will be in the book of my life, but some of them will be friends that are still, like Engelbert Humperdinck is a very, very close friend of mine. And he's like 83. And whenever he's in Asia, I always go to see his concerts and everything. We're very close, very close. So I've had relationships with people that many of the people are like in their 90s, 92, mm. 93, that, that I've had from high school and elementary school. So I'm very grateful, exceptionally grateful, that I've been blessed to attract these people into my life that allowed me to be the best I could. So it's mm. not... I'm, I'm not taking credit. If it's not for them, I wouldn't be here. That's the truth. So things like that. That's, yeah, that's been fascinating, I think. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm been listening to this a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Sue, even, yeah. Sue, are you happy I contacted you so long ago? <laughs> yes, yes. No, that's, that's, um, that is why we put it on the website. It's I like, do, if, uh, if you hear of us and people want to get in touch who have an interesting story then you know we we definitely want to hear about that I'm so glad you got in touch um I do have a suggestion this, this might be you can leave this in or take this out Sue if you want to come on again Mike because obviously you've done quite a lot of movie work yeah it, we could always do like a like a commentary where we watch one of the movies together and you can maybe talk us through some of your time on working on it and different things like that might be quite cool yeah there's one that people are not too well familiar with what i did that is really one of the most fun movies yeah. i did was uh, i had gone to argentina for five months to do a movie called highlander with christopher lambert sean connery Michael you're in I that I, huh you're I in did that a lot of on it i hung out of the helicopter shooting with the gun i did some fighting scenes and stuff like that so uh, yeah, we have a couple, a lot of the Ninja movies, of course. Enter the Ninja, I wrote the script. Um, the American Ninja series, I did four of the five. The first in the Philippines, the other three that I did in uh, South Africa. Uh, a couple pilots for TV, The Last Ninja with Mako and Michael Beck. Um, but yes, yeah, we can, there's other things we can obviously talk about, sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Can I ask a question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can I know what your following is? How many people you have? We're quite small. Yeah. Okay. 
but we're we're still one of the 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 best known karate podcasts in this country. Oh, really? Sure. In this country, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't. I just found you, not by accident, because the universe doesn't do accidents. So, however, I find you. I was meant to find you. Yeah. But um, uh, I, I haven't really this. looked around. You were you were the first one I found, so I just contacted that and didn't bother searching anymore. Yeah. But I know there's there's quite a few. There are quite a few. Um, you know, we're 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 relatively new. We've, well, I suppose we've been out for a couple of years now. Couple it's, years, it's, yeah. And um, the first year was just me being Greg's. I'm Greg's student, so it was okay. really me just endlessly asking questions. And then people started to get in touch, and we started to ask people to come. And we've talked to some fascinating people over the last year. Mm, very good. Um, it's, it's been incredible. So I think we're growing. Oh, we absolutely are. Yeah. Good. Yeah. You know, I think the thing we get out of it is we learn so much. Yeah, of course. We love to listen to people's stories. Um, mm. And we don't really have much of an agenda, do we? We're not uh, trying to preach to anyone particularly. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. <laughs> Leave it to your guests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. it's just it's yeah. I just I just love listening, like you said, listening to people's stories, and you just learn a lot absolutely from listening to people's experiences and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. incredible, incredible. I think we've 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 talked to you for for ages already, and there's so much we haven't got to. Yeah. Um. But <laughs> I mean, would, we, if my, if you're happy to come on again, we would. I, I would love to have you on again. I think there's so much more we could talk about. Thank you for the offer, yes. Oh, great. Well, okay. Well, then, before we go, um, really do have to say, is there anything that you would really like to share that you're talking about or thinking about or advice for people? Anything that's on your mind at the minute that is the thing that you would really love to share today? Well, maybe the idea that... Uh, for all the listeners, whether they're martial arts people or not, whether they're young, old, whatever they choose to do in their life, I think basically take the time now, that means now, however old you are, wherever you are, who is ever listening, at the moment that you're hearing this, take the time now to not to seek, not to search, not to go on a path, not your life is not a journey, but find out who you are as fast as possible. Mm. So get to know yourself, be honest with yourself. And I hate the word brutally honest, but honest is honest. That's good enough for me. So be honest with yourself, no matter how much it hurts. Be honest with yourself, find out who you are, Feel free to express yourself. Don't worry about what other people think or perceive about you. That's not your business. That's what they need to do for figuring out what their agenda is. But just be honest. Be true to yourself. That means being honest. And life is not about attaining or achieving or becoming. You already are, are. Whatever expression you are doing right now, 
to show people who you are, whatever you have come to in this point in your life, that this is who you are expressing. This is already, whether you realize it, believe it or accept it or not, this is already your chosen perception of yourself. What you are showing to other people. But please understand, this is an illusion. You are sharing a created illusion from your mind. This is not truly who you are. Mm. You are changing yourself to accommodate who you need to impress to fulfill your agenda. This is what you're doing. But you do it so naturally, so effortlessly, that you don't realize you're doing this. Mm. That this is how you choose your relationships, your behavior, and that's why you become so robotic and so habitual mm. in the way you choose to express yourself. That's why you keep making the same negative choices over and over again. So to do that, to be honest, is you have to monitor your thinking. You have to be consciously aware of the present moment in which you exist. Why? Because that's where you are. You're not in your past, so quit bringing that into your present. Your future is not yet here, so don't worry about it. Don't go there. If I were to express it this way, exactly where we three are now is the only time, regardless of the time zones we're in, this now, the universal now in which we are sharing, mm. is the only place Therefore, the only time we can actually die. We can only die right now. Not two seconds before and not 15 minutes later. If we die 15 minutes later, it will be now, then. But we're in this now. Yeah. This is where we actually exist as a knowable quantity. This is our perception of who we are now. So it would behoove you to pay attention to the present moment you're living in. Why? Because from this present moment, you are creating your past immediately. One moment, oh, that's my past. That's my past. And in the same moment, you're creating your future. When? Now and now and now. But you're doing it from now, from this present moment. So why would you want to be any place else, your past or your projected future, and not where you exist? How do you expect to live your goals and dreams if you're in another location that doesn't exist, your past and future? Mm -hmm. So why not attract into your life where you are now, where you exist now, and bring, attract all the things you say you want to be, to do, and to have in the moment you exist? Bring it now. And if you have the power to do this, you will be like me in the sense that I am living my dream. I am doing exactly what I want to do. When? The only time that matters where I can die. If I can die now, truly, that must be the place to live. This is my advice. That's, yeah, that's brilliant. That's fantastic, that's Mike. Thank you. That's a, yeah. That's a perfect note to to end on, I think. It is. Good. It is. That's wonderful. Mike, yeah. thank you so much. Um, yeah. Is there a, do you have a, a social media place or a website where people can read about your work and learn more about you? 
Yeah, I'm on I'm on Facebook and I always I usually post a lot of my philosophies and things like that and things that are currently happening so they can go there. We do have a website that is created by Graham Slater, Pow, Powow or whatever mm-hmm. that guy, remember? Yeah. He created a website for me. We will start maybe in the next two months is to do an online course. Okay. We will do an online course where part of the instruction is the philosophy interwoven between the physicality of learning kata, basics, whatever. Mm. We will teach the philosophy because actually when I teach karate now, I am teaching this philosophy. Why? This philosophy is who we are. Mm. So why learn to do something separate and not know this is truly you who's doing it? So why not learn who you are while you're doing what you want to do. So we interweave the philosophy into the training. And it's called a training vocabulary. So I select certain words, phrases, keywords and phrases that will connect the philosophy to the physical execution of movement. So there's no misunderstanding where people say, "Uh, excuse me, sir, can you show me that again? Uh, I don't understand. Could you do that? I don't. Can you say it again? No. If I teach you now, you should learn now. When? In the moment you are learning. Mm. If it takes me two minutes to teach, it should take you two minutes to learn. If it takes longer, one of us is miscommunicating. Mm. Anyway. Lovely. Yep. We will uh, we'll, we'll post links to, to, to everything in, in our episode description so people can check you out follow you on facebook all right thank you i appreciate that that. um of course yeah okay thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for coming and we look forward to speaking to you again mike all right thank you thank you you. take care take care